Hello, welcome to Politricking with myself, C.D. Madia. This is episode 17 of season 3 of a politics podcast brought to you by Eyewitness News. So, it's been 10 years of the economic freedom fighters. They've been here loudly here. I think no matter what you want to tell yourself, hmm? no matter what you want to do, like it or not, they were here. Their presence has been felt from those very first campaigns in Parliament of payback the money against former President Jacob Zuma to some of their campaigns now against the current president to how they've attempted to grow the party. You cannot ignore the economic freedom fighters. For me, I think they've done one injected an energy into political mobilization to showcase that you can be young and occupy that space and call a thing a thing and call the shots, right? And challenge the status quo quite successfully. Think about land. Three, I think that they've also um captured the imagination of young people. Again, drawing young people towards politics. However, this doesn't necessarily translate, as you've seen with their numbers, right? They remain the third biggest party in the country. Whether they can change that to grow, I, I can't, no lie, I can't necessarily see it. I think they also know that they're headed for a difficult election terrain. What's been interesting for me is watching the evolution of the EFF. And that comes with the softening of language. I don't know if you're realizing that, that you know, when it comes to land, they've moved from multiple phases, from the illegal occupation of land that we saw when they started, to the land must be in the state's hands and then be leased, to what's happening now in Limpopo. I, again, I don't know if people are actually watching, but in Limpopo, the EFF is not happy about the illegal occupation of the Bapedi land. And I think it's going to, to seek remedies by the courts. Not ironic, not weird, not funny. You came up on this mantra. This is your ticket. But anyway, so there's evolutions of, 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 of issues, approach to issues like that. The one thing I think, and many of us agree, the unofficial policy of the EFF to flip-flop and then to try and explain that. The inconsistency to issues, that approach, and to then say that it's being vilified, um, the ability to learn new information, to adapt. I don't think that's how it comes across because I don't think that's how they engage with it as they flip from, from issue to issue to issue. I think the, the, the idea that the party is still very much equated with the leader is a dangerous thing for any movement. They're going to elections, their own internal elections next year, and it's most likely that Julius Malema will remain at the helm. Is that a good thing for the party or not? At 10 years, should the EFF be thinking harder about what must happen with contestation and succession? I think so. But again, this is a party that without question has captured the imagination of many. Over the past few months, I've been thinking back a heck of a lot about the different people that I've seen in the EFF. I think I'm worried that there are not enough women that are put to the fore, particularly young women. I think it's concerning that the language, the politics that's used by the EFF in part is that of intimidation. I worry because I see it working in my fraternity. I know journalists will tell you that they can infiltrate almost any party but the EFF. And the reaction there is fear. I think that's a dangerous thing for a democracy, but that's also a thing where we are responsible we need to be able to rise above fearing being trolled on Twitter or fearing being called out by Julius Malema. I think that is something that we need to work on as a fraternity. They say the relationship between them and media is a contested one, you know, and they, 
me, me have taken enough shots to know it definitely is. But hopefully, on a good day, I give a few back. This week, I speak to their mouthpiece. Sinawa Tambo is the national spokesperson of the EFF. Speaking a little bit about his reflections, his journey with the party, and his thoughts about succession and the 2024 elections. I've always said South Africa has never been the same, good or bad, whatever your take is. The point is, the country's never been the same since the birth of the EFF. But what intrigues me is what happens next. When you look at election results, you think the party's plateauing. But when you look at the party, you question ideas of succession, right? So I want to have that conversation with what I think I've identified as the next generation of leadership and what their thoughts are about their party. Joining me at the moment is the spokesperson, the mouthpiece of the organization, Sinawa Tambo. Sinawa, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah. So let's start with where you started. I have a lot of, I was saying to you earlier, I've got a lot of memories that keep coming and going about the EFF's journey. Mm. Um, when you look back at how you started, how you joined the party, mm. um, what comes to mind when you reflect on 10 years mm. of your organization? Look, I think uh, it's quite interesting because I would have never thought that I would join a political party. So uh, my family's ANC, like through and through, hardcore. But I'd never been really interested in forming part of like anything political when I left home. So I studied at the University of Cape Town. And uh, when I arrived there, so I think this is much more specific about how I ended up joining the EFF. I didn't have residence. Uh, so I was sort of sleeping in labs, sleeping in toilets, waking up in the morning, going to shower in the sporting facilities, going to my first class at nine in the morning. So I had that political background, but I wasn't really in a political party. I never joined the ANC, never joined anything. And then at UCT, there was an EFF at the time. So there was the whole spark around Rosemont's Fall, the removal of the statue, symbolism, racism, financial exclusion, and of course, homelessness being tied into the narrative of landlessness. So that sort of experience drove me into politics actively. So I ended up participating in the Rosemont's Fall movement. And after seeing how activism can help people, I ended up thinking, no, this is something I can actually do for others because I ended up getting help from that process. And I'm like, surely this can be done for others as well. And it was during that time, late 2015, where a friend of mine approached me and was like, I think we should like start the EFF here on campus. And I was very reluctant initially because if you're familiar with like your UCT type of politics, it's extremely liberal. No one wants yes, to be partisan. Yes. No one wants to tie themselves down to anything. We like that type of flat structure. There's no real leader. It's a collective. So my consciousness at the time was reluctant to join something that is so radical, militant, top-down, or centralist. So I, I was reluctant to do it. But uh, eventually, I said, okay, let's do it. Uh, we started the student command branch at the University of Cape Town. Very difficult. Uh, I remember standing, maybe two of us, trying to recruit people. No one is interested. The EFF is an idea. It's very scary. I mean, UCT is white-dominated, so it wasn't easy to get people on board with it. But it progressed. We managed. We won our first SRC elections when we contested, and uh, that's where the journey began. When you look at where you are now, you've left the halls of university, you're at national office of the party, you're in parliament. Um, when you look at your journey alongside the EFF, um, what reflections, what comes to mind? Difficult, challenging, uh, thought-provoking, and also a huge learning curve. So the EFF has taught me a lot about discipline and about being organized. So how to ensure that everything you do is organized and is directed and is deliberate. 
So I think that's one of the biggest reflections I've had is that the EFF has, uh, has an ability to make you more structured, whether you like it or not, like the way the party is organized. Democratic centralism. Yes, yes. <laughs> so how the, organization, how the organization is organized ends up organizing you. So uh, one of the funny stories that the president likes to tell it sometimes is that uh, it took me a while to finish my degree because I couldn't really balance my activism with uh, my studies. Mm. And uh, so just to pan back into the student command, I tried to contest to be president there and I lost very dismally. Like, Who did uh, you lose out to? I lost to Manjash Kwamban. Oh, actually. this is after Mpo, yes. Yes, I lost to Manjash Kwamban. So after that, you know, he called me in, he was like... Uh, you lost because of this, you're aloof, you remind me of Tabumbeki, the way so I was like, damn, I just lost already. Now he's also piling onto me. But then like he sort of intervened, asked about my background, what's happening with school. So the first task he gave me is that I must finish my degree. Like it's it's over it's overdue. And then we'll take things from there. So immediately, once I had that conversation with him, my studies improved. I graduated in Bachelor of Arts in English and Politics. And then uh, after that process, I was elected into the Central Command team in 2019. So the biggest reflection I have of the EFF is that it has the ability to organize you for the better, I think. And I think that's something I've learned. I want to come back and speak about the leader of the EFF, Julius. But before then, you spoke about how radical it is in posture. Is that the reading that you still have of the EFF? I have a very different view about the language. I think there are areas where I've seen the EFF's posture soften from the far left, um, coming back to the center even. What is your sense of an evolving EFF, a 10-year-old EFF? The messaging is maturing. I think the messaging is maturing. Uh, so radicalism is still something that's central to how the EFF operates. But as we grow as an organization, as we learn how to interact with the media, with society, with different spheres of society, business sector, uh, church leadership, eldership, traditional leadership, you can see that uh, it's an organization that's evolving in terms of how it packages its messaging. So I think we are still radical, but we have an ability now to be persuasive within our radicalism. So initially, I think we were seen as abrasive and, yes, uh, you were. We were seen as extremely abrasive. You still are, to some degree, very much so. Yeah, so uh, I think the party has been able to evolve and mature its messaging while still keeping its radicalism, but being able to channel its messaging much more effectively to even those who might disagree. So those who disagree with us now are able to say at least these guys are making They're able to listen. So but not navigate the contradictions do. as smoothly as one would hope, surely. What do you mean? The idea that you are seen as flip-floppers. In fact, I think by definition, that is a policy position that is undeclared, unknown. You can say that you are adapting to changing situations, but ultimately there is no consistency when it comes to particular messaging. That is, is a thing. I disagree. Is a, okay, sure. I would disagree. I think it's a, it's a talent, it's a gift, actually, to be oh. able to adapt to new information once it's presented to you and change your perspective. I think it's something that actually contradicts the entire narrative that the EFF is fascist or dictatorship or hardline, because it shows you that the EFF is able to listen to an alternative message, internalize it, and alter its view if it can see itself to have been either wrong or either to have not read the, the material conditions appropriately at the time. So the ability to change your mind is something that's villainized in South Africa in politics, and I think I find that strange. But... In, in the public's eyes, it's not the EFS changing its mind. It is at the top where the mind is changed and everyone else follows. Is that perception unfair? I that actually, is. which is the, the whole issue of dictatorship, fascism, is really people looking at the leader 
and whether or not the leader's actions are right or wrong, people will fall in line. And that's part of the problem, isn't it? Is that perception unfair? unfair? I think it's unfair. I think it's also a blessing and a curse uh, that the EFF's sort of internal interactions are are not as publicized as the ANC. So those sort of internal contradictions or internal disagreements that happen within the central command team meetings or the World Council meetings, because of our level of discipline, are not as easily accessible as we find. Is it discipline of fear? Discipline. It's discipline. Because we do subscribe. So that's what democratic centralism means, that... We may disagree internally, but once a majority agrees on a position, we all have to speak out and defend it as if we are the ones who agreed with it. The one who was actually disagreeing must defend it the hardest, must be the one who advocates it the most. In the public domain. In the public domain. So that's how we operate. So I think it's been a blessing and a curse that we have that discipline to be able to keep our internal discussions and disagreements in in check, but also it gives a perception to people that there's no disagreement at all, which is unfair. I don't know if I agree with that, but I hear you. Um, ready for governance, government is a thing that I mean, the EFF has been calling itself a government and waiting forever, really. I've once even asked you this when, beginning, little bit of your, your government and waiting, your assessment of what that looks like as we head towards elections. We're ready. Uh, I'd say the EFF is Based ready on what? Govern. Based on uh, our internal ability to develop policy, I think. I think we've, the EFF has got a strong sense of policy, which I think the public is not... Really as aware of as it should be, absolutely. You know, when you are reflecting every t- every anniversary of the EFF, I take the opportunity to like go through our documents, various manifestos we've developed. And the, the documents past, still make sense to you. Manif- they still make sense. And it's why I joined. So the fact that they still sound coherent to me, that the, the solutions and proposals to fixing South Africa's various socioeconomic problems still make sense. And we're constantly developing on those positions. Yet, yet energy, economists actually land. feel you have no economic policy, no solution to the country's problems. We don't have one that they like. I think that's the problem. <laughs> they don't like what we have. But uh, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Um, I, I, I don't think you're ready for government. And I'll actually explain why very quickly. I always look to Mkini Chwaku, who's an MMC in Johannesburg, mm-hmm. and his interaction with an ENCA journalist. Mm-hmm. For me, that interaction was based on fear and understanding a position taken by the leader of the organization and not the fact that he was an MMC in mm-hmm. public office at the time. I even asked Julius Malema, what do you make of that? And he said Mkini was wrong. Mm. So to me, as an outsider, what I'm observing are leaders in positions who are second-guessing themselves based on what they believe their leader wants, as opposed to what the situation calls for at the moment. And that, for me, is a question mark, right? For others, the question mark is, where are the political leaders of the EFF? Mm. What is it built? What do we see of its counselors? Mm. And they also have questions about how if you are struggling to even see councillors stand up and have their own persona, their own politics, create, create something around themselves, their own programs, mm. if you can't see that beyond the leader, then the organisation as a whole isn't ready to govern. I think the banning of the ENC is not a programme of the EFF. Maybe let's start there. So it's not a policy perspective. It's just a resolution that, in fact, stems from them working of ENC, out yeah, of yeah. our own conference. Yeah. So the mistake that uh, Komsam Kuni made was based on that analysis of it. So he couldn't separate uh, and that's exactly governa- it. governance and, uh, but of that's course, it. the party position. But that's it. But it's corrected. But so that's I it, think though. the one thing we must be able to appreciate is that it was self-corrected even by the level of the leader, that we should be able to engage with any media house because you're engaging with them as a public representative. But if your leaders and cannot figure that out themselves and must be corrected by the president of the organization, is that not an issue? I don't think so. I think it's human to err. He errs. 
<laughs> so I think uh, Ooh, okay. we should be allowed that leeway. <laughs> and I think uh, it isn't true that we don't really have personalities in terms of public representatives of the EFF. I mean, there was a difficult period, I'd say. You don't even have young women that are standing out. I've been looking for them. I want voices of young women who have been catapulted into national space, and it mm. is a struggle. They catapulted themselves. Nadia Chira wasn't catapulted by anyone into national I think she did it herself, absolutely, yes. but I think she also had the opportunities. An organization does also allow you mm. to have opportunities mm. to grow. Mm. I think she absolutely did it herself, mm. but the opportunities were there when she was looking mm. for them. No? Yeah, but look, there's personalities in the EFF. I think it's really misplaced for people to think that. I mean, if you look at the top, the deputy president of the EFF is a huge personality in South oh, Africa in terms Floyd. of ideological... Floyd in terms of ideological and policy development. There's sure, a huge policy development, in terms sure. of uh, uh, politics in South Africa. Vuyani Pambu is a huge personality in South African politics. Nalidi Chira is a huge personality as well. So everyone is able to contribute a different skill set and something different. I mean, Buiseni. So there's a lot of leaders in the EFF who have been able to Channel, channel discourse and challenge narratives and also champion certain struggles. So I think it's something that we're all trying to learn and we're all trying to do. We had a very difficult moment with Tudula last year. And I remember I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this and let's see how far we can get. It's not popular. We had to go into deep sleuth where someone was burnt alive. Very difficult moments that we mm -hmm. had to show some level of character, some level of independence and some level, level of being able to give direction in terms of what the party stands for. So I think there is a development of characters People must just look for them. We must do the looking. Okay, fair enough. Um, you speak about Dudula. Mm -hmm. Dudula wants to be a political party. Dudula's messaging speaks to a frustrated nation. Mm -hmm. I always put it down to failed governance, actually, mm -hmm. what we're facing. But people look at what is in the immediate and put blame on that, as mm -hmm. opposed to a government that's failed to do its job. Action SA speaks a message mm -hmm. that is very similar. Patriotic Alliance, and we've seen them win awards already, winning, um, making it win awards when you think about 2024 and what the EFF is facing, mm. what do you see? There's going to be a difficult immigration question in the 2024 national elections of South Africa. And I think it's something that is, a, there's a huge sort of right-wing rise of anti-immigration the whole world over. And uh, there's a political bandwagon of jumping onto it in France and Eastern Europe and America and also South Africa. So it's like a flu going around where you have to be anti-immigration in order to galvanize the frustrations of the people in the country that you live in. It's going to be a difficult election for the EFF in terms of that messaging because immigration is a sensitive issue for our people in South Africa. Like They get extremely uh, uproared about it. There's a sense of, I think, misguided patriotism because it's not based on uh, access to socioeconomic opportunities that are actually of any value. I mean, foreign nationals in South Africa, you can kick all of them out. It's not going to create jobs. It's not going to grow our economy. So it's going to take difficult work, difficult uh, working with messaging in terms of the immigration question, because we can see the rise of Patriotic Alliance, the rise of Action SA, and even the ANC is starting to change its messaging around borders and around immigration yes, because they can, see, they can see the electoral opportunity in it. So the EFF is going to have to remain principled to what it stood for, and it's going to have to take it on the chin in terms of delivering the same message we've been delivering and explaining to our people that the murder or eviction of foreign nationals in the country is not going to change this situation. I'm not going to get into Patrice Lumumba because I'm very clear where I stand on that, where the leader of an organization that wears a, drapes himself in a queer flag then brings somebody like that into the country. It's not a conversation that's worth my time. I think I've been very clear where I stand there. What I want to talk about is the 
NPA, the National People's Assembly, yeah. that will follow the elections for the EFF. Questions of succession always haunt you guys, where people are like, will Julius be the forever president of the EFF? How much more room does he have to continue leading? What is your sense of that? I think the EFF has got a good succession process in place. It's always what been is it? there. So if you check in the successive NPAs post-2014, there's been an integration of people from different spheres and different levels of society whether it's Mam Kaula from the villages of KZN or it's us from institutions of higher learning. So there is a level of bringing in new leaders, whether we have experience or not, but honing in on the skills that people have to ensure that we contribute to the growth of the movement. So, so there's foresight. There's foresight. Uh, so there isn't necessarily deliberate planning that someone is going to be what or who is going to be the next what, but you can see that there's a training and development of different leaders from different spheres with different capabilities to be able to take the movement forward. As to which name will be what, that's not something that we're preoccupied with right now. And this is a very tired question, but I'm sure you get all the time. An EFF, be, be, an EFF beyond Julius Malema, is that a possibility? Absolutely. The Ipsos poll that I shared with your colleague recently shows that the EFF is actually more popular as a brand That's actually now. not what that poll says, by what the way. I actually said, I'm done. I said, are you reading this poll? Mm. It's, it's a question of trust. Yes. It's not a question of support. It's not a question of popularity. It is a question of trust mm. between the leader who has had scandals around him all the way from the time in the NC versus the organization that he leads. Mm. It's not about support. It's not about popularity. But if we look at the narrative that the entire party's brand is centralized around one man, if there's a de trust deficit with the leader of the EFF, then that trust deficit should be able to rub off to the EFF as well. So but if it's a question, EFF, it's a comparison between the EFF and its leader and no one else yes. beyond, right? Yes. We're but if he's so central to our branding, if he's so central to who we are, then that, that trust deficit should be compatible in terms of what's happening, in terms of our people, whether they trust him and they trust us. But we can see that the EFF is trusted perhaps beyond the party leader. And that shows the level of faith in the party beyond him. And that is against the narrative that has been portrayed that without him, there's no EFF. And that's something that we're a bit proud of. Huh, only time will tell. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for joining us. This podcast was produced by Tujuzile Masuku. My name is CD Madia.